Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Good morning, Bethlehem Covenant Church. Thanks for joining us here on this July 23rd. I hope you're having a good weekend, a good week. All the things that maybe have been happening this summertime for you. I know our camp season is is uh, pretty much over now, Covenant Cedars, all the kids have gone to camp, and and that's been a good experience for them. They're coming back with neat stories. Um, we've got some fun things still happening in our summer. We have a, uh, a wonderful opportunity to have a barbecue, a backyard barbecue, as well as a baptism service at the Perkins House. That's going to be on uh, Sunday, August 6th in the evening. If you would like to be baptized at that service, please let me know right away, and we will get you a part of that. There are five different people going to be baptized at that service, and then we will have uh, some good food together, bring your lawn chairs, sit outside, enjoy each other's company that evening. Um, we're also getting ready. In three weeks, we kick off our fall season, and uh, we'll go back to two services, 8.30 and 10.30. That'll be on August 13th. And we'll have a big breakfast, an opportunity to sign up for uh, your kids up for different kids' ministries and youth ministries and also see opportunities for you for a small group, maybe be a part of a men or a women's Bible study this year or just help to serve at some of our many different uh, ministries where we could use some volunteers to help out this year. Think about different ways that you'd want to be involved um, as we kick off everything again going back to the routines and all the different ministries there in the fall. And uh, we also have our Sunday school and confirmation. And this year we have a neat adult Sunday school class as well that will be meeting there talking about some of the key stories of the Old Testament and how they're relevant to our lives today. And so that'll be the adult Sunday school class going on as well um, every Sunday. But uh, our prayers continue to go up. Uh, for different people. Uh, Spencer and Melissa uh, got married yesterday, uh, and uh, we're thankful for them and their new life and their journey. Um, But we're also continuing prayer for Leo Hernandez, uh, who had a surgery there for some of the cancer treatment uh, that he's getting, and uh, he will be uh, going home now for a couple weeks and then starting some therapy there uh, to help with his cancer there that's around the kidney. Um, So we remember him in prayer, and also Earlene Warner, we remember, who's uh, at uh, Gateway Vista still recovering uh, from some pneumonia that she had. We keep her in our prayers as well. Um, So maybe there's some prayer items for you. Give me a call or text me or email me if there's certain things you would like me to pray for, um, but we hope that you're you're doing well. Today we continue on in our sermon series, uh, Be Still. We are studying this for this uh, five weeks And we're on week three here. And so the scripture for today, if you have your Bibles, is in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Luke 10, 38 to 42. It says this, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work myself? Tell her to come and help me. 
Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, for the last couple of weeks, we've looked at scriptures that talk about what it means to be still. When our head, you know, is full of all of these worries or our life is just running and busy or we're facing big things uh, and we don't know what we're going to do and kind of scared a little bit. Or we're distracted by many different things. It's easy to lose focus and to forget that God is God and that he is with us and to forget what's most important and that he loves us. He's got a plan in this. Be still and to hear it. So our first week, we looked at Psalm 46, where God speaks those famous words, be still and know that I am God. And that psalm reminds us that God is our refuge. He's our strength, and he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. We won't fall. Last week, we looked at Exodus 14 and the story of the Israelites coming up out of Egypt and how when God saved them, he didn't leave them, but the Bible says he went with them into the wilderness every step of the way. He led them going before and behind them. And in particular, we looked last week at the story of the crossing of the Red Sea and how God led them to a place that first seemed very scary and like they were trapped. The Pharaoh's army rushing in after them, and they thought they were going to die. But God brought them to this very place for a reason. They were where he wanted them to be. And so Moses stood up and he said to the people, Don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And sure enough, God did a miracle. He parted the waters, a way open that they could not have seen before. And they walked through on dry ground. If we're not still and waiting and looking and praying and seeking the Lord, we can miss the things God wants to do and the ways that he's opening. Well, this morning, week three now, we look at the story of Mary and Martha. And it is just a short story. It's not an exciting story of armies chasing you and waters parting. It's not even about big troubles really weighing us down. No, it's just a simple little story about two sisters with Jesus. And it's amazing, I think, that this story is even in the Bible. For no one is healed, no big miracle is performed, no parable or big sermon is preached. In fact, Jesus only says two sentences. But the gospel writer Luke must have been impacted by them and thought them important enough to include when writing his gospel. And the more I sat with that this week, the more I realized that Jesus' words here Boy, they can still be of great help to us today. For starters, I realized that in our life, most days 
are not crossing the Red Sea moments or big miracles or even huge new insights. We may have some of those throughout our life, but most days are just ordinary days. We get up, we eat our breakfast, we get our coffee, we get ready. Maybe we take a moment to read a little something out of our Bible and pray, and then we go off to work. And we take care of our family, we do the chores, we deal with little stresses as they come up, we pay bills, we have lunch or do work on our church committee, we call our mother, watch maybe a little TV and go to bed. I mean, most days I don't live that exciting of a life. I love my life. I love the people in it. I love what I do. I am happy. But it's kind of just a day, you know, a week. <laughs> but that ordinariness is what I love so much about the story of Mary and Martha. The simpleness of what Jesus says to Martha is why I wanted to include it in our series on Be Still. Let's begin with looking at what this, how the scripture opens. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on the way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. Who opened her home to Jesus? Martha did. Now, Martha, very quickly, often when we read this story, gets seen as the bad one and marry the good. But if we pause and stop and look at the whole story from the beginning, when Jesus came to town, who was the one to meet him and then to go and open up her home to him? It was Martha. She realized that this was more important than whatever she had planned for that day. So she dropped what she was doing and she invited Jesus now, if you read the story right before this one, it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And, and isn't that what the parable is all about? In the parable, Jesus teaches what it means to love our neighbor. And Jesus tells the story of a person who was beaten up and left beside the side of the road. And a, a priest and a Levite happened down that road, but were too busy to stop and worry about the person on the side of the road who needed help so they passed him by but a Samaritan came down the same road and seeing that man he stops and he goes to that man and he takes care of him and in that society at that time the Samaritan was the person you would have least expected to help but he was the one who showed love. He went to the man, he bandaged his wounds, he gave him water to drink, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. And Jesus said, this is the one who really loves his neighbor. Go and do likewise. Well, the very next story is Mary and Martha. And what is Martha doing? She's going and doing likewise. She is inviting Jesus in and looking after him and his disciples. It's not a priest who does this, not a Levite, not a distinguished man from the village or like a mayor or a synagogue ruler or a Pharisee who notices Jesus is probably hungry and invites him and his disciples in. No, it is Martha. She stops whatever she was doing for that day to look after Jesus. But what's even more is that the story right before the Good Samaritan 
is the story of Jesus sending out the 72. And he gives them instructions of how they aren't to take provisions, no food or extras, but that God will provide for them. And so as they enter a town to preach the gospel, they're to seek whomever might welcome them in, who will be the ones that God uses to feed them and care for them as they travel along with the gospel. And so Jesus told the 72 that when they go into a house that has been opened for them, Jesus said they are to tell them the kingdom of God is near and they are to bring their blessing to that family. Well, Martha is doing this. She has heard Jesus preach outside the gospel, compelled by his words. She welcomes Jesus and the disciples into her home to look after them, to provide for them, to feed them. So Martha here is responding to Jesus. She's doing the right thing, the good thing. God's using her. She's opening up her home. She is providing for the disciples what they need and what God has given her to give. You see, the context here is everything. The previous two lessons in Luke 10 are speaking of love and hospitality and welcoming the Son of God. Martha is doing all of that. She opened up her home to Jesus. She took the first step. She stopped whatever she was doing and responded to the Lord. But now let's keep reading. Let's see what happens and where her heart begins to go and the lessons she had to learn. For the next verse said, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to all he said. Now, we may not realize this, but this is a radical cultural no-no back then. To many, what Mary did was an offensive thing. We maybe don't realize that in our society today when men and women are to be treated equally. But in Jewish and ancient society, this wasn't the case. Women were not to be taught. They didn't go to synagogues or school. Women didn't sit with the men ever, even at meals. Women were to be separate. In this story, in Martha's eyes, they're to be in the kitchen, not out with Jesus. But where is Mary? She is sitting with the men in the living room, seated at the feet of Jesus. Now, there are three times we read about Mary in the Gospels, and every one of them, she's at the feet of Jesus. Here is the first time when she is listening to him. We assume this is the first time she has met him. She is struck by him and listening to his every word. The second time we read she's at the feet of Jesus is when her brother dies and she is grieving and hurting and she runs out to Jesus and falls at his feet, weeping, seeking his comfort. The third time she's at the feet of Jesus is when Jesus raises her brother back to life and there is this great feast and Mary comes to the table with anointing perfume and anoints Jesus' feet in an act of worship and also prophecy. Mary is always seen at the feet of Jesus. And it is both a humble place, but I want us to see it is also a radical place because she is a woman and Jesus does not tell her to leave and go to the kitchen as any other rabbi would have done. Instead, Jesus affirms her choice to be with him and is going to invite her sister to join her. 
when we were in Israel, we went to the West Wall in Jerusalem, the largest outdoor synagogue. The wall is the retaining wall of the ancient temple, the only remaining part. And so it has become a holy place for the Jews. And even today, the men and the women are separated at this place. We took our group there to see the wall, and we stood at a distance and taught about it. And then we let people take some photos and walk around if they wanted. Well, before I realized it, a woman from our group was walking down to that wall with her husband to see and touch it. And, and I had to run up to her and stop her, for she was not allowed to go. Her husband could, but she could not. She was almost at the entrance, and I could already see the men turning around, looking, about ready to say something to her. They would have yelled at her and told her to leave. She was not allowed. She would have had to gone over to the women's side, which was separated by a dividing wall, even today. But this is part, you see, of the story of our scripture. And I believe why it is included in the Bible. For just as Jesus went to Samaria and preached to a woman at a well and invited her and her Samaritan village, even though the Jews despised Samaritan people and excluded them, Jesus welcomed them. And just as Jesus went and ate with tax collectors at their house, even though the Pharisees rebuked Jesus for it, and just as Jesus healed Gentiles and led Romans to salvation, Jesus also welcomed women. Mary is at his feet listening to his teaching as if she were a disciple. She is in the room with the men, and Jesus doesn't ask her to leave, but instead affirms her choice and invites Martha to join her. It's really powerful, you see, that in Joel chapter 2, it tells us that the Holy Spirit would come upon both men and women. And it says, in that day, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And we see at the resurrection, it is a woman who is the first to testify that Jesus is alive. And in the upper room, upper room we read that men and women are there praying when the Holy Spirit came. And in the book of Acts, we see that women had gifts and were serving in the church in many ways. All of this was radically new. We can't understand just how much, but Mary is at the feet of Jesus. She is sitting and listening to his teaching along with the men, with the disciples. When I was a young child, my parents said I always wanted to be where the adults were. I didn't like to be at the kids' table or called a kid or a baby. I hated the kids' menu at Village Inn because I couldn't just order a hamburger like everybody else. I had to order a little Schaefer special. Oh, man, it was so embarrassing. I always wanted to sit at the grown-up table, and I would pull up my chair and ask, what are we talking? Mom loves to tell the story of how when I was four or five years old, I would stand next to the pastor after church and greet people as they left, thinking that I belonged there. When I was in high school, my youth pastor invited me to serve in the youth group. I remember the joy of being invited 
to sit in his office and talk about what we were going to do next Wednesday. It was like I was in the inner circle. I remember the time during my internship when I was invited into the main pastor's office. It was there where they had a monthly leadership meeting. The youth pastor, the board was there. And I'm this high schooler sitting among them. And we're talking and praying about things in the church. I am so thankful I grew up in a church that allowed kids like me to participate and feel like they were one of them and like it was their church too. For how would I have grown and come to see who I was in Christ if I had not been allowed in? So Martha does a great thing. She opens up her home to Jesus to feed him. Her gift was hospitality. And Mary did a great thing. She sat at the feet of Jesus and listened and learned. So what's the problem then? I think verse 40 tells us. For it says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care? that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself. Tell her to come help me. In the message version of the Bible, it translates this verse, Lord, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to give me a hand. In other words, Martha is saying, my sister should be in here helping me, not out there with you. Now, first off, I find it interesting that Martha uses the words, don't you care? These are the same words the disciples use when their boat is in the middle of a storm and they're afraid they're going to drown. They wake up Jesus and say, don't you care? We are going to drown. It just seems like in our times of frustration and fear, this is where we go. Worry seems to make us think no one cares, not even God. We are all alone here. No one's helping. And so we complain instead of simply asking for help. We complain. We make judgments. We say things like, don't you care? As if God doesn't care or know what's going on in our life. We act as if he doesn't when he loved us enough to die on a cross for us. Even if God never did anything else for us than that, that would have been enough to prove he cares about us. But nonetheless, in our anxieties and pressures, our mind goes to that place of self-pity and blaming others. And we say things like, don't you care? You know, and we judge others. And what we feel they should be doing. But maybe God told them to do something else. Maybe Martha's where Martha is supposed to be. And Mary is where Mary should be. But Martha thinks she knows better. And she's really stressed out by everything she's got to do. So she goes to Jesus and says, my, my sister's left me to do all the work here by myself. Tell her to come and help me. And I'm guessing Martha's the older sister trying to boss around her younger one. But I tell you, God has used this particular situation to speak to me this week because I realize I do the same thing. I hear me and Martha. This is what I do. And I have done. This is how I judge people. 
instead of looking at what just God has asked me to do and doing it, I start judging what everybody else should be doing. I can be just like Martha, distracted. For example, this happens at my house. After I've had a busy day and I come home and I see this needs to get done and that needs to get done and I start getting to work at it and I do it and then I come in, I'm even more tired and I see Matthew downstairs relaxing. I see Carrie over here doing something else and perhaps no one is even noticing that I'm working my tail off and I get this attitude start creeping in, this self-righteous kind of attitude and I kind of close the door loudly behind me and, and I kind of stomp through the room as if I want want everyone to see and know that I have been working and they haven't been, you know, and, and I act all childish and like a martyr when the truth is my wife has done a million more things around the house than I have, and most of the time I'm sitting on the couch barely even notice or say thank you. Here I have one busy day and feel entitled to point it out, but I do it, get distracted by that. My service turns ugly. And it's more than that. I'm embarrassed to admit to you I've said these Martha-like things about you and people at church. I agree to do something and then it's more work than I thought it would be or I see something that needs to get done and I'm setting up tables for potluck or funeral. I'm doing it by myself and, and, I, and I'm not doing it with love in my heart. But in my head, I'm saying, why am I always the one doing this kind of stuff? Nobody ever helps out. But the truth is, so many people help out. And if I would have just asked somebody to help me, they would have. But what's the devil doing in that moment? He's making my service ugly. He's taking the heart right out. He's distracting me into thinking and judging. And point. My point is, is that we can all be like Martha. God may ask us to serve or we could do something. And, and then we start playing the martyr. We start pointing the figure. And, and quickly our heart and our mind is not where it should be in that moment. In a way, as our scripture says, we are distracted. Distracted by all that needs to get done. Distracted by what others are not doing. And what we think they should be doing. And, and now what we're doing is no longer as unto the Lord. It's some poor attitude, self-righteous thing. You see, our scripture, though small, actually is very important. And it actually hits closer to home, for it's the ordinary life stuff. That's why it's in the Bible, because it's so real. It's what we all can do. We get overwhelmed by all the stuff we got to do. We get distracted. We say yes to something and realize all the work that it is. We think everybody else should drop what they're doing and help us out. And we complain to God and start complaining at others and looking down at others. And it's no longer about Jesus anymore. If we don't do what we do out of love for God, it, it loses any weight. But who told her to open up her home to Jesus? I think probably the Lord laid that on her heart. Maybe the Lord laid on Mary's heart. Hey, come here. You need to hear this. We each have different gifts, different callings. Maybe Martha's where Martha's supposed to be. Mary's where Mary's supposed to be. Who am I to judge the Lord's servant? And if Martha really did need some help, she could have just asked Mary or Jesus or somebody else instead of rebuke. 
Martha should have just been relaxed, less worried about every detail, and realized what was most important in that moment. Jesus was in her home. When Martha complains to the Lord, he responds to her, Martha, Martha. And the repeat of her name means love. It's not a harsh thing or a rebuke. When Jesus repeats her name, it's with love. It means, Martha, please hear me in this. Understand what I'm about to tell you in this. Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Only one thing is needed. Mary's chosen what is better, and it won't be taken away from her. In that moment, Jesus is thankful for Martha's service and all she's doing, but trying to get her to see what's most important. During my sabbatical, I had a few things that I read or thought about that were really important for me to, to think about. Um, but there was one comment that was said to me in Israel that stayed with me most. And I have reflected on it since because I think it's something God really wanted me to hear. Kind of like the Martha, Martha moment. God sometimes addresses our attention and, 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 and speaks to us. And it happened to me in Israel with our guide, Mirad, who came up to me to speak to me. We were running late to something every day because traffic was higher than normal and there were more tourists than before and so things just took us longer to get around and we had this larger group to look after which was a little more stressful for me and so we were behind a lot and I and I like things to go as planned I like being on time and and so I'm trying to keep us to schedule and and that means at times I can be a little anxious and hurrying people along and looking at my watch and well by day two I was doing this and and Murad pulls me aside and, and he puts his arm around me, this big, tall, six foot five Palestinian. And, and he says in this loving and gentle tone, like I imagine Jesus speaking to Martha here. And he says to me, he says, Dan, let me tell you something. Don't pressure them, because if you do, they're going to miss the beauty. If we're late 10 minutes or even 30, he says, I just make a phone call. We'll be fine. Don't pressure them or they'll miss what they're here to see. And those words truly hit me. The pressure I brought to the situation, my anxieties, attitudes, frustrations, fears, traffic, all this kind of stuff, it can either positively or negatively affect that group. As they see me anxious or upset about time or situation, they get wrapped up in that too. They hurry along and now they're missing what they're here for walk where Jesus walked, to see, to listen, to hear what he might be wanting to say to them today. In Mirad's words, I began to see that this lesson was not just for the trip, but how I was to live my life, how I go about my day, how I serve God, how I do family as a dad, how I do my work. You know, Mirad went on to tell me that this is how he tries to live, for he always, he was, he says he was born into poverty. They didn't have a lot says he lives in a land that's always in conflict. He works in a job where there's so many things that are outside of his control. But he doesn't want to miss the beauty of life, the joy of the moments of each day. He doesn't want to miss the beauty. He sees the joy of his family, his friends, just being alive and 
simple day of fishing or a nice meal or going home and how great it is to have a home. And, and so he reminded me, don't pressure them. They're going to miss the beauty. The beauty is all around us. This is our sermon series, you see. Be still and know that I am God in this moment. Anxieties race in our heart and our mind and our busyness keeps us running our schedule so fast. We begin to, to look around and worry at all the stuff we got to do and fear and, and what others are not doing. And Jesus, you don't seem to care. And in all of this, what is Martha missing? That Jesus is sitting in her house. Martha, the son of God, is in your living room, and you're worried about what? You know, like distracted. Just like us, we can go through things and even just life things, and we harp on our family, and we put down our friends and, and others that we don't even know, and we try to make this all so perfect or whatever, and in the end, it doesn't even really matter. Not compared to what we exist for worship and to love our God, to love the people around us, to be thankful for this day, to serve just a little bit out of our heart. If God has told you to open your home to Jesus, serve him, but do it with joy. If you need help, then ask somebody. Don't forget what really matters. Don't judge your sister. Who knows what God has asked her to do? Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Only one thing is really needed. What beautiful thing is God doing in this moment that you're too distracted to even see? Man, that speaks to me. I can be the one distracted and miss the moments and the joys and the beauties. Do you get upset a lot? Do you get frustrated a lot? At people, things not happening? What does that say about you? What does it say about me? Where is our focus and where should it be? Who is it that needs to change most? Mary or Martha? I know the answer for me. <laughs> What would it look like for you to be more still, to not miss the beauty, to focus on the only thing that is truly needed? When Murad told me this, man, I tried to do it. It's like a discipline. I mean, it's like an exercise, and I got to be mindful at it because my default is worry and pressure living. You know, I'm in the pressure cooker. But, I mean, I really took it to heart. I wanted to just be a little more relaxed. So I led our group and I just tried to let some things just kind of go. Things happened and we just figured it out, you know. And we couldn't do everything that we had wanted or maybe planned, but it was okay. And I was able in the slowing down of that just enough to notice the beauty. The things like I was there with my son. And I get to spend time with him. He's an 18-year-old man now. And I just watched him at times. That would creep him out. <laughs> but I watched him and watched him loving God. And I thank God for that time we had together and for the group that was all reaching out to him and for his laughter. I saw the beauty in the places that we went. I saw the people in their faces. I saw the small gestures of kindness from the hotel staff and 
and the others helping out. I, I saw what God was doing in the moment. Don't pressure them on Mr. Peter. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Your Father knows what you need, so seek first the kingdom and, and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. So in our story, what we see is that Martha did right by inviting Jesus into her home. Mary did right by sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning with the other disciples. Martha then became distracted in our service by focusing on what other people were doing instead of just asking for help or being at peace with what she had. She started pointing fingers and losing sight of the one thing that mattered most, her Savior. But then the last thing I just want to say is that Jesus ends her words to Martha by saying, Mary has chosen what is better, and it won't be taken away from her. And that word better stayed with me. Because Carrie and I were looking at carpet recently at Home Depot. And they lay out the carpet as good, better, and best. And that came to mind reading this. For it's not that what Mary Martha was doing, I mean, was not good. Jesus and his disciples needed to eat. But Jesus said, Mary has chosen what is better. Sitting at the feet of Jesus was the better choice in that moment. I know that for all of us type A people who know things need to get done, it's, it's, it's hard for us at times to prioritize that relationship more than the task. But in that moment, Mary chose better. Jesus said, and it won't be taken from her. Because time spent with Jesus is never wasted time. All that she was learning, she was going to keep. The salvation she received was more important than everything going perfect with the meal that day. Not that those things don't matter or that God doesn't see the heart behind them. But in that moment, Mary just chose what was better, to sit at the Lord's feet. And that lesson for us is what we got to think about in our life. What is better in this moment? Not that what I'm doing is necessarily wrong or bad, but is there a better, a better way I could live in this moment? A better way to spend my time right now? A better use of that money or service or just this evening together with family? I mean, I could mow the lawn or wash the dishes, and many nights that's the better thing I need to do. But maybe tonight, after this week, a date with my wife is the better choice. The lawn will be there tomorrow. Maybe when my kid comes and really needs to talk, whatever I'm doing, I can put a pause on. Because better is being available to him. Maybe I got a whole list of things I got to do in my day, but maybe better is taking a half hour first to pray and read some scripture. Make sure my head, my heart is in the right place for this day. So I could do what's good or These are the everyday things you see we deal with as followers of Jesus. We may only face a giant or a Red Sea a few times in our life. But the Mary and Martha stuff, how we deal with our sister when we're stressed, judging others, pointing fingers at God, being worried, distracted that we miss the beauty, forgetting what matters. Man, we're going to face that every day of our life. But whatever you give to the Lord, whatever you do in his name, you're never going to lose. He is the one thing you can't miss and do without. Don't miss it.
Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.